the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. But it's this is really wonderful. So Sheva, you know, thank you. What kind words? Thank you. Likewise, I appreciate that. Well, no, so but it's important for us all to know that to kind of introduce to each other and everything. You know, um, this is really nice. So Avi, I hear that you do work with a puppet, which is so fascinating, Mm. and I'd love to hear more about that. And as this is the Jewish Divorce Project, um, I understand that you work. Do you work predominantly or just sometimes you have a, while, a, a wide array of populations that you work with or do you work Wide with- array, yes, yeah. wide array. Um, I work with a, uh, probably a, a handful plus of couples and uh, a number of separated people as well. And I've also worked with people through uh, divorces. You know, right. And you have a personal history connected with divorce as well. And I'm the child of divorce. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. In more than one way. What do you mean more than one what way? What do you mean more than one way? Divorce has a way of becoming your third parent. Hmm. And um, we're getting deep automatically. Wow. Okay. Here we go. And and so you know, there's a way in which part that's part of who you're learning from. That's part of the world that you're growing into is kind of through this lens of divorce being a. a of like an orienting paradigm. So I've, I've so, our, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go on. No, go on, please. <laughs> I think I think we we brought you on here almost as a as a as a, um, a therapeutic voice, but I'm actually curious. I understand that you're married, right? Mm-hmm, I am. Okay. Yeah. So how long have you been married? How many years? Been married for um, <laughs> uh, eight and a half years. Awesome! Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Mazel so tov for making it that far. <laughs> you did yeah, wow. seven-year itch. Wow! But uh, how has being a child of divorce influenced your marriage and having a successful mm. run at it? Yeah. Wow. Um, we dive into the heavy right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the way we got to do it. I, I've, you know, I've considered that a lot of my early conception of. Uh, love and what I was looking for was almost maybe too much, but unavoidably a reaction to the collapse that I was coming from. How old were you when your parents divorced? I was 14 when they separated, 15 when they divorced. I think there was a year between split and divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm the oldest of three. Uh, My my, uh, sister's three years younger than me. My brother's eight years younger than me, so he was five when they when they split up or so. So those numbers don't add up, but trust me. Um, Can we add just the layer, not to interrupt, but that Avi's dad is also a rabbi? Oh yeah, add that. So we got this extra Jewish community cultural layer going. Was also, by the way, he's now married to his third wife. So okay, I've right. been through two of his divorces. I see. All right, a child of divorce twice over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's right. So I think in some ways, like it, my, my, how I thought about what I was looking for in a partnership, it had to be a reaction to, to divorce. Cause I was, 
I don't know. I thought a lot about my parents' divorce and it's why I went into therapy as a teenager. You know, it's, it's, it was the impetus for a lot of my own exploration to my own depths, even, you know? Um, so that's how it impacted just like the search itself. Um, uh, um, and made me kind of like hyperbolic as a young romantic, like it had to be everything or nothing, you know, like I was looking to somehow redeem what had collapsed behind me. And so, yeah, that's some of how it impacted the search. And then sometimes I think being the child of divorce gives me more fortitude, like to fight through the impossible moments of, of marriage, the, 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 un, the, unfic the unreachable distances that we sometimes reach or these moments where we can't see any future, like, I don't know, maybe it's knowing that divorce is an option in part and not not having the same fear of being trapped that some people do. Um, is your wife a child of divorce? No, no. Um, and then also not wanting to like maybe back away from some challenges but I thought my own parents backed away. So, so maybe sometimes it gives me more fight or more stubbornness. Um, but of course, how do I know? I mean, it sounds like there's also a lot of perspective there as well, though. Right? You said yes. You said options, right? Divorce is an option, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of perspective, and we and we've talked about that before. That there's this old Jewish joke of couples that's together at their fiftieth wedding anniversary, and the husband's giving a speech expounding the virtues of his wife after fifty years of marriage, and someone interrupts him and says, "You know, you've been married for fifty years. You don't want to ever get a divorce." And he says, "Divorce? No. Murder? Yes." Right? You know, yes, like yes. There, there's the joke without the options. But you know, if you come from a family of divorce, maybe there are options that you see, and and that you know at least puts different things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Avi, um, if I could ask you, I don't, when I remember of you from camp, right, I, I mean, mm -hmm. it's very similar to now, very kind of chill and relaxed and thoughtful and deliberate in what he says. Oh, that's, um, a, that's, all, that's a mask. <laughs> that's a good mask, actually. Um, but, but my point is to say what I remember from camp is also some a kid who didn't seem fixated on divorce at all like it never came up in conversation i don't imagine that it would now that i think about it and i don't know that any of us really talked about our home lives at all either right um yeah i mean it was it was a way to be liberated from our home lives the shackles of home. it was like a fantasy space right because your parents totally. weren't there you didn't have to worry about it was it was that a good space for you in that way because of the 100 percent a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the further away I was, the better, but you know, the, the older I got. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's, that still feels like having a lot of physical distance still feels good. Like a comforting thing. Yeah. Sure. Right. Oh, I have a question you may or may not be able to answer, but in your estimation, did your mm -hmm. siblings react differently or how did they react at those different ages? Because I, I have, my, you know, my kid, I have three kids as well, and they were all at different yeah. ages and stages when I got divorced. And I think that they all had different reactions. 
based on where they were, based on their personalities, but also based on the age and the way that they were treated or, uh, you know, the things that were going on in their lives at the time. So I'm not sure if you can answer for your siblings, but if you have insight. Yeah, to some extent, I mean, my brother was super young, you know, he was super young. So in, in some ways, it, he, he wasn't as aware at all of what was happening, where I had like a fairly close up moment to moment picture of what was happening. Um, I remember I Noah my, being very young and very adorable. But I, but I find that sometimes yeah. the younger that they are, the less people are explaining things or are having patience and they kind of get dragged along in the process. And I think those are the children that have it harder. Yeah, I don't think anybody in my family would say that uh, the youngest of us had it the hardest. I, I think that he, <laughs> that he, he was buffered. And we also brought ourselves to that task. That was like a mission of ours in some ways at times was to, you know, my sister and I both, I think, like kind of turned toward being co-parents of this kid now that we were like going back and forth between different worlds and figuring out how to navigate that and how to navigate our parents and their own fallout. Wow. There, there are like so many questions. I mean, this conversation is so rich and I don't know that we ever properly introduced Avi at the beginning of this, but um, we got yeah. right into it, which is wonderful. I, I just want to say this is a, a friend of ours, Avi Steinhardt, a longtime friend of mine from Camp Rama, who's a Gestalt-based therapist in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, uh, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, he's just been dropping some amazing wisdom to us today. Um, you know, it's one of the things that's wonderful for me to see you here giving your experience personally and professionally, um, you know, and having young kids who are going through divorce, I, I worry about them and its impact. And, you know, the first thing that you said about it being a, a, a method of parenting, you know, or a lens of parenting through which the kids look at it um, raises, you know, my hairs a little bit. And, um, but also seeing you and, and seeing how you've come out on the other end, there's something comforting about it. And, and I wonder if there's any, you know, real kind of wisdom that parents, young parents who have young kids going through divorce can take with them, you know, in that way. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, if you're going through something like a divorce, you're, you're sometimes gripped by your own fear with how it's going to impact your kids. And also that a, that a tragedy is befalling them or a death is befalling them. These are words we're used to kind of hearing and using around divorce. I think that it's hard for parents to remember that actually that's not the only thing that's happening. The, the, I should bring in Louie for this. Seriously, so. this shouldn't even come from me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... <laughs> You're feeling good enough? You, you, you think Louie's feeling comfortable enough to come in? I mean, I hear him like rattling. Okay, all right. He wants but, to be part of this. Is there like in a formal way that we should welcome Louis to the conversation? Does he have like a, a um, you know, a writer of any kind that we need to honor? Just, um, you know, Louis arrived on my doorstep uh, uh, April of 2019. Okay. Um, and I did the time not that I was know, getting divorced, actually. I didn't know why. Um, and uh, when the pandemic started, Louis tapped me on the shoulder and said that we had to start talking to people. And so we do something called Monster Insight. Uh, and we're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Okay, and yeah. we offer videos that are supposed to provide a mix of uh, 
therapeutic and like like you wrote in my little bio there like a therapeutic and poetic responses to difficult circumstances along with some music and irreverence yeah <laughs> and um and uh you know part of it comes from the idea that um i just got a little tired of hearing from experts myself like i i just like i'm so distracted by people's egos and their how impressed they are with themselves i just i thought it would be nice to hear something from other than human. Well, I got to say, Lou's presence is really comforting. I mean, whether you're a kid or you're an adult, it's so nice to see him and hear his voice. So uh, I'm excited. I'm so I'm so glad to hear. Let me grab him. Okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm still here. I'm not. I'm not going. Oh, there's me and my daughter. <laughs> this is our first. Prepare yourselves, everyone. This is our first non-human interview. What kind of a monster is Louis? We're we're about to find. He's blue. He's big and blue. He's a blue monster, yeah. I think there's more specific species than that that I know of. He's an insight monster. Insight? All right, let's see if insight. Oh. Insight, no. Whoa. Hello. Oh Hello my gosh. I feel like I feel like we should have entrance music or something. Da 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 da. Wow! Thank you. This is a podcast, huh? This is a podcast, Louis. Yeah, this is fantastic. Hello, Sheva. Hello, Louis. Nice to meet you. You're the first monster I met. Is that right? It is. You're the first Sheva I met. Oh, we're a dime a dozen. Louis, I love your eyebrows, man. I love your oh, eyebrows. Thank you. Require very little grooming. This well, is natural. I was, I was wondering about that actually. If it, you know, how long it took maybe to keep those in check. Yeah, oh, I can't remember. So, Louie, this is a podcast about divorce. Yeah, divorce. That's a subject. It is certainly a subject. What do you have to say about divorce? Well, lots. I heard you talking from over there. So, okay. wh where were you leaving off? Do you remember? Well, we had asked, um, so Louis, this'll, this'll be really helpful for me on personal levels as well as professional ones. I'm a, I'm a young dad okay. living in Pasadena, California, and I have two young yeah. boys and uh, they're age seven and 10. And uh, yeah. I think my, my ex-partner and I, we've done a good job co-parenting them through divorce. We communicate what we need to communicate, you know, and in the right ways. And we don't badmouth each other in front of the boys. And we try to work together as best as possible to, you know, bring the boys together in a familial sense so that they feel a sense of wholeness despite divorce. But that's um, a lot. It's a lot, but I I'll tell you, Louie. easier said than done. I know, I feel like even on the good days, it's really difficult. Um, and one thing that I'm very concerned about is, is how my boys will grow up with divorce in the picture and how it will impact them. And, and I'm scared. Oh, right, that's what he was saying. Yeah, I'm scared so, about Don't that. interrupt that, Lou. It's okay. It's Sorry. Okay. It's okay. I appreciate it. Thank you, Louie. Um, <laughs> I can't stop smiling at you, but I'm scared, Louie. I'm, I'm scared for my boys. And so I, I was wondering if you had any wisdom. Right. So I heard Avi start to say, you know, you, that parents have this fear that come into them. And I've seen this over the years, you know, divorce has been around from a long, for a long, long time. Etymologically, you know, it's from the Latin and it, it, it's directly related to the word divert. Really? D divert. Divert. That's what I said. <laughs> divert, like diversion. It's the same thing. It means a new path. I mean, it means separation, 
but it also means new path. So if there are parents out there and you're afraid of the kind of tragic implications, remember this might have some of those. This might be partially a tragedy, but that's not all it is. And that's not all it has to be for your kids either. So that's where it's so important to handle your own feelings and not put them all on the kids. You know, you can let the experience be their own, which is a tricky balance. It is. Is there a way though that I could, when my kids do get scared about divorce, because sometimes my kids keep asking, are you and mom going to get back together? And I have to keep repeating myself. I mean, it, is there some way I can reassure them though about that? Reassure them that you won't get back together? Or just, I don't know, comfort them in some way? <clears throat> yeah, I definitely think reassure them that we're not gonna get back together, but how do I do it in a way that's also not heartbreaking every time? Well- Can I step in? Please. We'll just uh, uh, chew on that one here. You think about that, Louis. <laughs> and um, there's no answer to that. You're, you're not a fortune teller, but what you can do is validate their emotion in that experience. It really sounds like you want mom and dad or Abba or Ema to get back together again. What's that like for you to want that so badly? But you, you don't have answers for the future in either direction. What if you do get back together? You know, so you can't ensure right. it's not going to happen. Right. Well, I was thinking to ask them, you know, what would that mean? for us to get back together. You know, what does that mean to them? You can't necessarily assume where they're coming from. So you're saying yeah. I should ask them for more information? You could, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's right. Maybe getting back together again means going to the park on Sundays or something and not remarriage. Right, doing something as a family in other ways. Also, there can be reassurance in stories of people not getting back together and that being okay. What do you mean by that? Well, the more you can let, you know, tell them what Martin Shaw said. Okay, yeah, there's the storyteller Martin Shaw and he said that uh, uh, in regard to his relationship with his own daughter, that the more he can let darkness and grief find their way into the stories he tells her, uh, the less those things invade into the relationship itself. And so the idea to try to keep open to creative zones where, like, where can we see the shape of these things happening in the world and that being okay um, in various ways. That's right, like, that was good. You mean like broken <laughs> relationships in other ways? Yes, or partings or deaths. I see. And then taking what we've learned from this experience and using it to help other people in those experiences. Yeah, that's that's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's I another way? Not of a place, it? Well, I think that it's important to know what your kids are asking when they're asking, are, are you and mom going to get back together? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take for granted one way or another that they're necessarily, I, you know, I don't know what they're asking when they're asking that. Well, that's something so I appreciate. I, I mean, I certainly appreciate that because, I, forgive me for interrupting, but I appreciate it because my normal answer is no, we're not getting back together. I feel like it's just easier to say that because it's not going to happen. But I it's do concrete. 
yeah. And I feel like that's easier to get behind. And I understand what you're saying in terms of asking them what it's about. I, I actually, I ascribe to that philosophy too, particularly when you're talking about, let's say questions about God, rather than impose my own thought, I want to know what they're thinking. That, that makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. And that's again, good. you know, I wonder if like, there's still this kind of disruption of childhood in the process, right? That's what I think I'm really concerned about is the constant heartbreak of it being so concrete. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you almost want to try to get them away from the concrete. In some way. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense. How, they're, what did you say? They're 10 and 7? Yeah. And it's a, this is a year old? Two years at this point. Two years. A year of which has been this beautiful that's exactly. Walk. That's exactly right. We've been cooped up yeah. inside together dealing with divorce, right? So right now they're probably wanting just the return of anything. They're excited. We're going back to school at the end of the month in some type of hybrid oh. format. So I think they're going to be oh, nice. really excited to get outside of, you know, our constant attention. Um, yeah. But it's also been wonderful having the quality time with them, particularly knowing that divorce cuts that in half. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel you care so deeply for them in this. I do. I worry about them a lot. Of course, of course. Do you think and part of sorry? No, no, no. You you speak, Louis. I interrupted you. Please. Well, some of the work is again minding your own worry. It's one of the most important things you can do is trust your kids, and that means even trust them to navigate some of their own heartbreak. Trust that this all can be okay for them, and by just trusting that you're giving them something. Does that make sense? I think so. I, I mean, it sounds like what you're also saying is that I have to back off a little bit and kind of just let them process it. Sheva, is that what you like me say? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, let, allow them to have their own experience and their own process without having to define or mm. plan or know that everything, how everything will be or won't be. Mm. That's right. That's right. And it can be a tall order to separate out your own feelings about that from your responsibility to that. Mm. That's a tricky one. Is there a way to teach kids, you know, when they're talking about divorce? Because here's the thing, we'll often go to the dog park and Elijah, my seven-year-old, loves being in the dog park and loves petting all the dogs. So if you ever met Elijah, he'd be all about hugging you, Louis. So I don't know how you feel oh, about I'd your love personal that. space. No, I'd love that. I love a good hug. Oh, you look like a huggable guy. I um, am. And I like hugs too. Oh, look <laughs> at that. Oh, get a room. Um, right. But, <laughs> but, you know, one thing Elijah does is he's come to learn to introduce himself. He says something like, hello, my name is Elijah, and that's our dog, Lucy, over there. We actually have two dogs, but my parents got divorced. So now my mom has one dog, and my dad has the other dog. My parents don't live together anymore because they're divorced, but we still go back and forth between their homes all the time. <laughs> Maybe you can make him like uh, some like index cards. He doesn't have to say it every time. <laughs> write it on his hand. Write it on his yeah. a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. Right. <laughs> well, my name is Elijah, no, my parents are read. divorced. <laughs> It'll make life easier for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also tell him what my yeah. boxes are. So in case he meets a woman that checks them all, he can like hand them my phone number or something. <laughs> that wasn't funny. That could be, yeah. that could be your t-shirt yeah. that you wear now. <laughs> divorce, it also has a way of sometimes for kids, it brings like 
this mythic importance to their lives mm. that might not have been there before. What it's scary. It's meaningful. It's huge. It's a big deal. The, right. the swirling energies that can make or break things have entered their house. It's not stolid or mm. somehow, you know, protected from the realities of life. There they are. And that can be kind of so exciting as to be defining. So exciting as to be defining. So a kid could actually see themselves maybe as empowered by divorce in some way. In the long run, that's possible. I think that's ideal. For sure. but I think it becomes part of their identity. It mm. sounds like yeah, it's either way. Elias's identity. Oh, is that his name? Elijah. Elijah. Um, Come that's on, how, how many podcasts to- in are you? <laughs> I don't use the names that often. <laughs> okay, we, okay. We talk more about Tamar That's than right, we okay. do about Elijah. Sorry, Elijah. Okay, I does, use Tamar listen, does, does Tamar, Tamar listen, listen to this? I, I think she listens occasionally, yes. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I would want to know what my ex is potentially saying about me just for, you know, security purposes. <laughs> sure, sure. Just does that, does it just take notes? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> that's what it is. That's how he remembers it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. I think Tamar is very secure and has moved on in any number of other ways. So I don't think she's listening right now. Louis, have you met a lot of children whose parents are going through a divorce? Not directly. I mean, I kind of see the world through his eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah, but they not kids going through that haven't had the chance to meet you directly. No, not yet. No, and Louis, Louis's been well. I would say Louis's been surprised by the response of kids. Yeah, we never thought we were kid intended. Funny as that might be, me being furry and everything, we kind of. <laughs> what has the response been? Well, it's been varied, but some people say that kids love it, and I. I thought, okay, I didn't know I was talking to kids, but okay, that's good. Hey, kids. (laughs) So you were hoping to reach adults in a different way then with Louie. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'd say the inner child. Oh, why is it so important to reach the inner child, though? Hmm. Oh, how much time we got. (laughs) Sorry, this is an on one foot moment. Yeah, well, right, that's right. Who's that? Heitzel? That's that's Hillel. Hillel, sorry, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) You're not? You could have fooled me, Louie. I know, people, everybody thinks. You look like your insides are made out of matzo balls. No, I've I've covered this before briefly. All I'll say is it has a lot to do with circumcision. And that's all I'll say about it. Reaching the inner child has a lot to do with circumcision? No, no my not being Jewish. <laughs> oh, you're not being Jewish. <laughs> it really is oily there. Oh my God, it's early. <laughs> the time change. Yeah. So, all right, but so Louis, so if you could briefly, why is it so important to reach the inner child? Well, people fail to draw on the inner child and they fail to get to know it and it can make the world a more cruel place. James Hillman, the founder of archetypal psychology, you know, he said that 
it's under that child that you find your creativity, that you find your soul. So that's where we have to tune ourselves to. And besides, there's enough other places for people to find out how to be more efficient mm. or how to overcome. That's a big thing, overcoming. You, you brought up two things that were really important to me. I've heard of James Hillman before. I had a mentor who gave me a teaching of James Hillman, which spoke about how our soul develops as a result of experiences that we have. Uh, I'm summarizing it now very briefly, right? But he says, you know, that which, which we go through and process and mitigate on, you know, the important things of life, that which gives life meaning, right? That's what, you know, creates a soul within us. Um, and you think about the experiences that you have as a child and, and how that creates the soul within you as a child. Well, that's part of you, right? That doesn't change. It just develops over time. And so I, what I love about what you're saying about the inner child stuff is that reaching it is about just getting in touch with another part of yourself, right? That you may have forgotten in some way that you didn't know. A that deep part. Yeah. That's right. And the part that tends to feel least safe to bring out safe maybe because of other experiences that we've had when there was a wound because uh, it'll make us vulnerable or it'll get us into trouble or it'll bring some need we don't know how to meet or what to do about it's a wily thing but a beauty huh? it really is i mean when you see people activating that part of themselves there really is something beautiful that comes from it. And i wonder what it is that scares that part of ourselves away though we have to let go of control. People don't like that. Why do they like being in control of things? Why do people like being in control? Yeah. Oh, this is a long historical question, right? I don't know, man. I don't know. You guys can't stop. You Please. can't give it up. Do you think that's why divorce is so painful for people? Because it's such an out of control moment where everything that you worked so hard for is just all of a sudden broken apart. And it feels that so many aspects of your life are just beyond your realm or beyond control. Wow. Wow. I hadn't thought about that like that because sometimes divorce seems like somewhere people take back some control, right? Like this is the way. I'll exercise that, but that, yeah, the fallout. Yeah, it shows the reality of life that we're not always in the driver's seat, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think you can have both experiences at the same time. You can take back some control while also losing control. Hey, Louis, he is uh, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is good. Um, Louis, you know, one thing that our friend Avi mentioned to us was the idea of doing frontiers work as a kid of divorce. Can you explain oh, that yeah. concept a little bit more? Because even as parents, I think that would be important for us to know for the perspective for our kids. I think for the sake of Avi's forearm, I should do that in like five minutes. <laughs> you got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, as you know, like, yeah, you've, you've never seen him for more than a few minutes. That's, a, that's time, a very right? good point. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. And, and one time we did um, MC, like a two hour event, 
but always just like turning off the camera sure. in between beats. So you're putting it down. The, I mean, even the Muppet guys, I think, were just two 10 minute takes, you know? Right. I never knew the back workings of Muppet. Muppet That's a lot. Yeah, I wonder about (laughs) it. I had no respect for what went into that. Thank you. Well, never mind that, you know, and and that they're usually doing it, you know, they're doing it from down here. Right. So you're also doing it like this all the time. That's He's amazing. Look how big he is. I am. His legs. Well, I could, these, these are removable. They make him a little heavier. Wow. He's beautiful. What does your daughter think of him? He's just, she just can't remember a time without him, right? So he's what? like, she has a relationship with him. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes she's not that interested. It's not that big of a deal. Right. I was so, like, I've thought about it. It's going to take, she won't be, she'll be like, she'll be well into her years before she realizes how weird it is. <laughs> that's my dad and that's his blue friend, Louie. Yeah. <laughs> He comes with us to the park all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So Avi, I have a question um, for you. So I'm, yes. I'm very, very into um, inner child work and recognizing the, the power of inner child and, and of, of creativity and of play. And yes. like you've accessed that through Louis of, of getting in touch with that voice. What are your recommendations for people beyond puppetry of letting go of that control and accessing yes. that play, and how can how can people practically bring that into their lives? Yeah, I mean the anywhere you can access creative creativity. I mean, you know, because for me it was piano first, and um, I in fact think sometimes if I had a real piano in this tiny apartment I live in that Louis might never have surfaced, mm. that I, I, I could have been uh, creatively contented. Um, but you, I'll quote one of my great teachers, a poet named Fran Quinn. And w- what he said was, you know, creativity shows up in our vulnerability and our vulnerability shows up when we fuck up. So we have to put ourselves in situations where we can fuck up. But the problem is most of us, when we're young, we're shamed in that space. That's the shamed space, as opposed to the encouraged space. That's where we're beautiful. It's in our making mistakes. In making mistakes, we can be learning and expanding and deepening, but only if we can tolerate all that mistake making. So in that, you know, any art where you can fuck up, you know, any any creative space where you can go. And I think that the, the thing with art, especially as an adult, is that it, it doesn't start as play. It's, it, it, it starts as, or maybe, uh, I take that back. But like, there has to be an ongoing devotion for play to be able to show up. Isn't there a quote by Miles Davis or something like that? Um, some jazz musician who said like something like even the mistakes or music hmm there are no wrong notes there are no wrong notes that's exactly what it is right yeah 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 and that's the way i learned too that every and any note you landed on was like a launch pad to a new realm oh you know and that, you know yeah so this idea of play is really essential then for human growth because it allows for the fucking up without the shame it requires it right 
It requires it. And yeah. it's something that our culture is particularly bad at. You know, it's like we're, we're really good at knowing things. We're really bad at learning things. Well, and there seems to be also, you know, the constant striving for excellence as opposed to the journey in and of itself. It's all about the product and it is about the process. Yes, that's right. But people are so often so much more heartened and encouraged and moved by a human example yeah. than they are by an example of excellence or excellence. I'm putting in quotes, air quotes right. for those just listening. Well, I wonder if we could also transfer the idea of just, you know, exchange the word excellence for marriage, right? In the sense that like, it is the be all and end all of human relationships, right? And the idea of knowing that there can be fuck ups within that, right? Particularly as a child, maybe protecting the children from the shame and judgment of divorce allows for them to see it as a, as a fuck up that's possible, right? And that also that, you know, relationships can fuck up in that way. And, and that allows for a new creative process. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, the, the same storyteller I mentioned, Martin Shaw, he also said in the same talk that our grief is not our kid's business. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is a tricky one because it, I think it's a matter of how much of our grief can we clue our kids into? Because, because also what we know is that the shadows can be much more traumatic, mm. right? That, mm. that, that what we hide can kind of be more damaging and to our kids than what we reveal. I think it's also how you interpret the word business. You know, there can be business as in here, this is yours to manage, which it's not theirs to manage. Yes. And there can be business as this, you know, this is reality. I am a, I'm a, I'm a human that has a range of emotions and sometimes I'm on and happy and, and, you know, present. And sometimes I'm sad and lonely and scared. And I think that that window is important for the, for kids to see that as well, but it's not their business to manage that. Yes. Yeah, beautifully said. There's, there's yeah. a very big difference there. Absolutely. Yeah, your kids don't need to be parenting you. They can see you in your emotions and how you process it in healthy ways, but it's not their job. Yeah. And I think that's particularly true and poignant in children of divorce that mm -hmm. they're often put in that situation mm -hmm. to either fill a role mm -hmm. or manage a single parent's um, experience in that. And that gets us back to Frontier's work to some Excellent. extent, right? Hi, Louie. <laughs> Very good segue. Um, so, yeah. So talk about Frontier's work a little bit. Right. So even if you're not putting that stuff on your kids that you just mentioned, there's still this implicit thing, right? And that is that, well, you, you tell them. As the child of divorce, I have contained within me my dad and my mom and their strengths and their, you know, for lack of a better word, weaknesses. And those are energies that I have in me for my lifetime. And those two people couldn't figure out how to make those things work together. But now he has to, mm. that's the frontier. Mm. Because and that's it, on your kids, whether you like it or not. 
Do you feel like those energies are opposed to one another within you, or you just don't know how to make them work together? Well, whether they are or not, just getting them to talk to each other, that's the new frontier. I see. That's what has not been achieved. And sometimes it often is the case with divorce that it sets it up that this is an opposition to this. Is there any advice you could give to kids who are, do, who are having that tension? Maybe older kids who feel that? Well, I think if you can talk to somebody older than yourself, that's not one of your parents, that's really important to try to seek out. Whether it's a mentor, an elder, a teacher, a therapist, you know, I think it's really important to have somewhere else to go to work through what, what, you know, is now your business. This is a, it's like so hard to process all this stuff because it's so really useful and deep in a lot of ways. Uh, I, oh, good. That's good, right? It, it's that really, means we're doing good. I it think. really, yes, absolutely. It, it really is, Louis. It's wonderful to have you here as a oh. guest. Uh, I'm wondering. Oh, Thank you. I'm wondering if you think that there's any other really essential information, um, you know, that adults could really use about going through divorce that could be useful for the kids or not, but just in your experience and your perspective what's really helpful. You know what I just thought? That old song. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I don't think that's direct though. Hang on. Um, what song? What song are we talking about? The moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life are free. That's just good advice <laughs> in general. <laughs> the story about the wise men of Helm who try to tr- capture the moon. <laughs> is there is there one of those? Yeah, the oh, moon's so big and bright that. in the sky. It's so big and bright in the sky. They create like the world's biggest bowl of soup because they can see the moon always reflected in the soup. And so if they think if they you know, get the moon reflected in the soup, they'll throw a really big pot, you know, a cover over it, and then they'll have trapped the moon. And of course, what they realize is that's impossible and that the moon is for everyone and that you should cherish the fact that it is for everyone. Ah, Wow. Broth. Um, <laughs> anything else essential? I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say, it? we don't want to... What about um, relationships? What about relationships? Like what advice could parents give to kids about relationships who have gone through divorce? Well, that's a... Well, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I mean, really think... That's a question, though. <laughs> I wait to the end learned? for the really big no. ones. It's just an odd question. Do you think of... I mean, that would be ch- children who are about to embark on their own relationships, so teenage children? Well, I suppose in general. I mean, like if the fear is that like for kids that they don't necessarily see the nuance that, you know, some relationships go to marriage and some relationships are just platonic and some relationships are somewhere in between. If they don't see those nuances, right? Well, how are they be- not seeing that? They're in the world. There's The world is full I, of different relationships. Because well, I, think what it's worth, little- I, I think the architecture of the relationship is such that the advice you give them about relationships doesn't matter that much. <laughs> And that's that's a hard thing to accept. Okay, I can appreciate I can appreciate that. 
that there's a complexity to it. No, it's the life. It's the life you live. It's the lesson you live. That's the that's the advice. Hey, you know we should team up. <laughs> <laughs> we should, Louis. Clearly, I'm not doing any good here. Are you Are you still on Bumble? <laughs> that was last week's episode. <laughs> Louis, I never thought of you as a dating app kind of monster. <laughs> well, occasionally, I'm open minded. You know. Right, I'm sure. I'm sure you are, my friend. I'm sure you. And they have to be. They have to be too, because first of all, (laughs) he has to come. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) Who pays for the date? Does Avi or do you? Uh, Avi's a married man. Financially, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah. Next time we'll talk about open marriages. I would love to have an open, uh, a conversation Uh about open marriage with Louie. With Louie. Let's do that. Sure. I could do that. Louie will be our relationship guru now. I think about all these things. You'd corner the market. I don't think there are any monsters doing relationship advice out there, Louie. So you might be really good. Well, I, I hope so. Thank you. (laughs) This has been so much fun. Uh, uh, Avi, Louis, it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for. Oh, it's been time. our pleasure. Thank you for having us on, and just uh, everyone out there, you know, love you. Oh, and follow us on uh, Monster Insight on Instagram yeah, and on Rita. Facebook and on YouTube, right? And YouTube, yeah. It's Monster Insight. That's the the. the That's the right, five? Monster Insight. Monster oh, wow. Insight. This has been great. And uh, thank you both. Yeah, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty and everything that you shared and your willingness to get your arm tired for, you know, the benefits of this conversation, Avi. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Folks, check us out on the Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com and... You can find us at <laughs> www.thejewishdivorceproject.com. That's what, whatever he said. It's called the Q. <laughs> That's what it was. All right. Thanks, everyone. Love you. Love you too, Avi. Good to see you, friend. Thanks, you Avi. Too. It was so nice to meet Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you both. <laughs> and definitely, I love time. what you're doing. Did you, we got enough. You think we got enough? Like- mm-hmm.